0: Okay, so I'm going to welcome up uh, an amazing woman called Naomi Allen. Naomi is from XLP. Has anyone heard of XLP? Yeah? Okay, cool. So Naomi's going to be speaking to us today about addiction. So over to you, Naomi. Thank you. Um, As Emma just said, I work for XLP, and um, if you haven't heard of us, we actually have a little stand in the Rhythm Factory every afternoon between 3 and 5, so you can come and talk to me a bit more about what we do there. So, I, I was sitting down, I didn't see. Who was here yesterday? Great, okay. That means about half of you were here, half of you weren't. And so, Emma kicked us off yesterday talking about this idea of what it means, what is this idea of unpopular culture. And she, um, she used three illustrations to kind of talk about it, because culture can influence us in so many ways. And she said, you could be like a carrot. So, when a carrot gets put in boiling water, what happens to it? get soft right so culture could impact you and make you maybe go a bit soft and compromise on some of maybe your own values or you could be like an egg and what happens to an egg if it's in boiling water it gets hard that's right and your heart could get hardened and then the last thing she talked about was this idea of coffee beans and the idea that when they get put into water they influence the culture and I guess I'm going to pick up a little bit on that today and talking about how How is it that what we believe, how does that impact the way that we live? How does that impact what we believe, what we believe about ourselves, about the world around us? And um, I guess I want to start off by asking you a question, who here has ever been lied to? Yeah? I've been lied to, yeah. Um, Biggest and probably most upsetting lie that I've ever been told was that Santa was real. Um, I genuinely cried when I found out that he wasn't when I was eight years old. Um, you might be like, you got to eight? Yeah, I did, right? And I'm proud of it because it was a joyful time for me. But today I want to be talking about this idea of truth versus lies. And the idea that actually what we believe and what the world tells us isn't necessarily the truth that we are called to live by. The Bible talks about this idea of freedom, that, and Jesus says himself, if the sun sets you free, then you will be free indeed. And Jesus talks about, right, I want, to live, I want you to live life to the full. And I don't know about your own experience, whether you feel like, yeah, I feel really free. I'm so free. I go and do crazy things all the time. Or if you feel like, actually, I don't feel very free. I, I don't feel like I can live a life that God has called me to. I feel actually pretty chained and pretty burdened by things that are going on in my life. And so today, I guess... I want to give you a bit of an outline of how I'm going to do this I'm going to talk a little bit about lies in general I'm going to talk about how the world will lie to us I'm going to share a little bit about my story and then I'm going to talk about actually if if you can relate to any of it then maybe here are some steps forward into what Christ is calling us to now the fact is I don't know anything about most of you in here there's a few people that I'm actually camping with so if you're from King's Church London are you in here Great, great. So I know some of you, but a lot of you don't know me very well. So we're going to start off by playing a little game, because I love games. And um, it's a really easy one. You've probably all played it before. It's called Two Truths, One Lie. Anyone played it before? Great. Okay, so I tell you three things. You've got to guess which one's the lie. So the three things are, number one, I am ambidextrous. I can use both of my hands to write well. That's number one. Number two is, I have swum with wild sea turtles in the Caribbean. Number three is, my dad is American, which makes me half American. Okay, three things. If you think number one is the lie, put up your hand now. Okay. If you think number two is the lie, put up your hand now. Okay, and if you think number three is the lie, put up your hand now. Okay, pretty much all of you are wrong. Number one is definitely the lie. Um, I got... You watch me try to write with my left hand. I cannot don't it. It's, it's not writing. It's a scribble. But yeah, I, I have um, the privilege of, of being half American. My dad is American. And that has actually impacted a lot of the, the way that I live life. My dad is a huge cheerleader. Now, I don't know if you've ever played sports for your school. Um, when I was in uh, primary school, I um, was part of, like, there was a little girls' football team. And um, my dad would come and watch, because that's what they do in America. Everyone goes to watch any type of sports game. And um, he'd be on the sidelines. And um, when you're in primary school, you don't care that much. that like, It's your dad cheering really loudly for you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's my dad cheering for me. Um, when I got to secondary school, is slightly different. Because um, I played basketball at secondary school, and my dad literally, all the way from year seven through to year 13, because I went to the sixth form there, he would t- come to my basketball games and would cheer so loudly that at times, like, my friends would be like, can you get rid of your dad? And um, I very much kind of like, got into this idea of oh, believing a lie that it's not cool to be cheered, it's not cool to be valued. And I don't know if you've ever had that, where it's like, I don't want anyone to say anything nice to me because I don't know how to respond. Anyone, anyone ever felt that? Like if someone says something like, oh, you're really good at that, you're like, uh, panic. How do I, what do I say? And I guess I want to start off my talk today by just telling you, each and everyone in this room, that you are highly valued, that you are precious to God, that he says over you, I love you. Not only do I just love you, but I am willing to prove my love to you that 's what God says to you that is the first truth that I want to talk about and I guess um i I know that this world will tell us a heck of a load of other lies and um, we're talking about this idea of addiction today, and I guess for me, the idea of addiction has always been based in there is a lie that I 'm believing about God because Addiction is all about going somewhere else to find satisfaction, to find fulfillment. And so that's believing a lie about God rather than believing the truth of who he is. I first became a Christian when I was 11. And um, when I first became a Christian, I really um, thought, Oh, great, I'm a Christian now. God's got my back. He's going to satisfy me. I'm not going to have to deal with temptation. Basically, I've got my life sorted. I've chosen to follow Jesus I'm 11, all right? So, anyone here in this room 11? Okay. I I was you at the back. I was you. Um, thinking, right, Jesus has got me. I'm not going to have to struggle at all with life. And I went through um, my teenage years, and slowly but surely, temptation came my way. And um, temptation is real, it's hard, and it's sneaky. It, it comes up on you, and you don't even realize you've fallen into it until it's too late sometimes. And the... I guess the truth for me was that um, I kept on looking for fulfillment in the wrong things, to to boys, to alcohol. I I kept on looking for other people for approval and to sex. And all the while, I was still a Christian. I was still saying, God, like, I'm looking to you. And all of these questions I was wrestling with, like, am I a real Christian if I keep doing this? Mm -hmm. Or... Well, yeah. God, you don't seem to be satisfying me. So am I doing something wrong? Are you doing something wrong? Are you really as good as you say you are? And then the last, like I guess, lie or question I was asking is, if I know that this is bad for me, why do I keep doing it? And um, I, I guess uh, all of those questions are things that, if I'm honest with you, there's times where I still struggle with them. And there's times where God has really powerfully spoken to me and answered some of those questions too. You see, we live in a world which is set up on the idea that it's good to lie to you. We spend £20 billion on advertising every year in the UK and to make you basically want to satisfy yourself. The world will tell you that you need to give in to every desire that you feel. Satisfy yourself. So whether that's food, you see, 64% of adults are classed as obese being in the UK. Eat. Satisfy yourself. Or maybe it's sex. Because around a third of young people will have had sex by their 16th birthday. 65% of guys and 18% of girls will look at porn once a week. In fact, Google did a recent survey and found that one in five searches on your phone, online searches, is for pornography. Sexually, satisfy yourself. That's what the world will say. Or whether it's maybe shopping. Um, Average, uh, £1,174 is what um, the average uh, family is spending every week on shopping, every week. And the average household is nearly £10,000 in debt, not including a mortgage. If you want it, buy it, satisfy yourself. So if you believe God's word, you might think, well, that is very different to what I've just said. You can imagine that actually the messages of our world and the messages of God are different. And this is what God's word says in um, Isaiah. It says this. Why do you spend your money on junk food, your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? Listen to me. Listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourself with only the finest. Pay attention. Come close now. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. You see, when we really know that we can't satisfy ourselves, it helps us to see what we need and what is good for us versus what we want and what could be damaging for us. Um, I don't know if you've ever like had this argument with your parents about eating vegetables. Um, when when I was growing up, I absolutely loved vegetables, but my younger brother Phil, he literally—I don't know how he survived—he went through his teenage years on a diet completely of chicken nuggets and chips. Like, he refused to eat any. Any other food, like point blank, and um, my parents would have this whole argument with him pretty much every day. You'd think that they'd have got bored, but um, look, vegetables are good for you. You need these, and it's like, no, I don't want them. I don't like them. I'm not having it. And um, so much of the time in life, we say no to the stuff that's good for us, and we say yes to the stuff that's actually not not good for us, and it's going to make us ill. And uh, that's not just with food. That's in life, the choices that we make. We we say yes to bad friendships. We say yes to looking at stuff that we know we shouldn't. We say yes to believing things that aren't true. And we're constantly bombarded by um, images and messages because of online media. So if you've got a phone for a minute, take it out. Show me your phone. Some of you have been very good and left it in your tent. Well done. Um, if you've got a phone, if it's got any battery and you're willing to um, like turn it on, just turn to the person next to you, take a picture with them, remind you of your time in this seminar. You can like, put it on uh, social media later saying, yeah, I had a really good time at this seminar. The fact is, is that we are controlled by our phones. I'm glad that some of you are actually taking photos. This is making me very happy. You might need to take a couple of attempts, some of you. It's day three. Come on, we're not looking our best. All right. Great, hopefully most of you are there. The thing is, is that for us, social media is big because it talks about our status. If I've got loads of followers, if I've got loads of likes, then, you know, I must be pretty important. I, am, I was absolutely dismayed recently to find out my 15-year-old brother um, has over a 1,000 more followers on Instagram than me. And, um, I mean, let's be honest, I don't have very many followers at all. But I was like, how on earth do you have so many? Like, you're 15, you post, like, literally once every two months, and they're, like, rubbish photos. How on earth have you got more followers than me? And the, f- the more I thought about it, the more I was like, the only reason I care is because I'm jealous. I want more followers. I want people to like me more. <laughs> um, and the fact is, is that social networking and having a phone on you all the time means that you are controlled by the things that you see, the messages that you hear all day, every day. Just being here, I've actually been a little bit challenged because um, I, I put my phone on to charge earlier and I was like, I feel a bit naked. Where, where did I put my phone? And um, it took me a good like, couple of minutes to remember, oh, it's okay, it's plugged in, I'm, I'm all right. But that constant need to be just checking—has anyone texted me? Has anyone like messaged me on WhatsApp? Has anyone like liked my photo? Like, it's it's a need almost where we we look to a phone for the approval that God is saying to us every day. And um, I guess I um, I want to challenge you because social networking already accounts for nearly thirty percent of all media time spent on, online. And if you, put your hand up here if you're fifteen to nineteen up your hand if you're 15 to 19. It says here users aged between 15 to 19 will spend at least three hours per day on average using social media platforms such as Twitter, Instagram and Snapchat. All right so I don't know I mean you might think oh no that's not me it's not me but like how many little like 10 minute 15 minute sections and before bedtime that's the worst. All right I know what you're like you're lying in bed it's like oh just check quickly and then before you know it, it's like an hour's gone. I know what you're like. You see, I can remember um, for myself when uh, it was a big thing for me how many friends I had on Facebook when I was a teenager. That was, that was cool. And um, now it's, yeah, how many likes can you get on Insta? I don't know if you've heard about a boy called Danny Bowman. He was a 19-year-old who was addicted to taking the perfect selfie. He was taking over 200 selfies a day and he dropped out of school. He didn't leave his house for six months because he was obsessed with thinking, I need to look perfect, even with the filters, even with like being able to pretty much edit it to a level of perfection. He wasn't happy. When he realized that he couldn't create the perfect selfie, he became de- depressed and attempted to take his own life. Like, don't say that your phone doesn't have control over you, it does. Um, you see, we care about what other people think. About, um, probably about 18 months ago, I went on a silent retreat. I went to um, a place where the nuns live, in a little nunnery. And um, it was basically me there for three days. I didn't have, I have two phones. Um, I'm not a drug dealer. I have a work phone, <laughs> right? Um, but I, I, I put both of my phones and left them at home, and um, I went to this uh, nunnery. And basically, the only thing that I took with me was... Um, a bible because you know i felt like oh it's supposed to be a spiritual retreat you should probably take god's word and um i took another book that i was reading um, which was talking a bit about some christian themes and i just took a notebook and decided right okay well i'm here for three days i don't really know what i'm supposed to be doing with my time here so i just go and see what happens and i'm throwing it out there the first probably 24 hours was so hard because i was just like i'm bored like i need to look at my phone and um, I I was just you know when you're like agitated because you can't do what you want I don't know if you've ever had that thing where it's like you're in school and you're in your classroom and you're like I want to check my phone but I can't because the teacher's looking at me and I'm just like desperate to check and I I felt like that for like a whole day where I was like oh I just does anyone care about me does anyone love me and um, God really spoke to me about that and saying why do you care so much about other people when I'm right here you've Given yourself three days to meet with me, and you don't even care what I'm trying to say to you. You you care more about your phone. And it was pretty hard hitting stuff for me to hear because I I didn't want to hear that. I was like, no God, I, I totally care. I totally care what you think. But when it really came down to it, my heart attitude was that no, I care more about what other people think of me than what God you're trying to say to me. And I don't know if whether that is a word to you guys. I. I'm now trying to get into a bit of a pattern of having like a, a day a week or an afternoon a week where I just turn my phone off and leave it at home and go out. Um, it's quite cool. I actually had bought a watch, which I forgot to bring to New Day. But I bought a watch, which is great. Because then the only reason that I would use the excuse that I need my phone is for the time. Like that's the reason that my brother is like, oh no, I can't leave my phone downstairs because it's got my alarm on it. I'm like, just buy an alarm clock. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I really have learned this importance sometimes of switching off from having a phone because you know what god is always trying to talk to us but we're not always trying to listen god is always trying to talk to you always he's always trying to speak into your life he's always trying to like say you know what you've done a really good job here you know what in this situation you probably could have done something a bit different but you know what i still love you i um I mentioned a bit earlier about um, food, um, and I guess at this point I also want to mention this idea about eating disorders. The fact is, is that a lot of the time, looking at social media, we are seeing perfect people. We're seeing super, super edited versions of people, and um, it's not real. And uh, at the moment, I've just read an article a couple of weeks ago where it's talking about how drug addiction, alcohol abuse in young people is on the decrease, but... Self-harm, food addiction, food and eating disorders, all of them are on the rise actually because we're comparing. We look at other people and say, actually, I don't look like them, I'm not good enough. Or I want to be like them, so I will abuse my body to try and get there. And um, I just want to say to you right now that God has created you to be you and um, he loves you exactly how you are right now and he doesn't ask you to change anything. Like, one of the biggest things for me in, like, my own journey of, like, growing up um, is that so much of the time I've been held back by my own guilt of feeling like, oh, well, I've messed up again. I can't really go to God, so I'll just keep on trying to do it my own way until it gets so bad that I'm like, no, I I need God now. But even today, wherever you're at, I just want to say, you don't have to feel guilty about where you're at, at with God. He's saying, you know what? I love you, exactly who you are. I delight in you. I've created you to have a purpose in this world, and only you can do it. No one else can be you. Um, I, uh, for my own, I guess my own story is, that I told you, I became a Christian when I was 11, but what I didn't tell you is that my dad, who's the American, he is also a pastor of a church in Kent, and um, I grew up being the oldest kid of a pastor. Is anyone else here a, ch- a kid of a pastor? Anyone? Yeah? Well, I, do, I don't know if this is just my own experience. Um, you, can t- you guys can tell me afterwards. But I very much felt a bit of a pressure to, like, be really good. Um, I kind of was, I was in a church where there weren't very many young people. And um, so if ever there was a thing where it's like a youth service or, like, the youth got to be involved, I was always, like, the main person there because I was there every week. And um, I, I very much got into this pattern of, like, if I do the right thing, if I say the right thing, then people will like me if I um, perform well, if I look like I'm cool, if I look like everything's going well, then I get a thumbs up. And um, so I got very good at hiding everything else that was going on. And I I kind of mentioned that as I went through my teen years, um, I very much recognized that life wasn't quite as simple as I thought it would be, that God wouldn't necessarily protect me from temptation. But um, I, I kind of at some point had to make some hard choices. And I don't know about you, a lot of the time we learn best when you make a mistake. Anyone think, oh, I had to learn the hard way, that one? Anyone had that? Yeah? Well, when I was growing up, I, not only did I feel like I had to learn the hard way, a lot of the time I had this idea of, that will never happen to me. I would look at people and be like, oh my days, look at them, they are so sinful, that will never happen to me. I'm far too good. And like, the fact is, is that... It was a massive lie, but that's genuinely what I thought. I was like, I'm safe, that's never going to happen. I was really proud. And as I got into my late teens, um, I was one of these people that, like, to some extent, I actually was quite good. Like, I didn't have my first drink until my 18th birthday. and um, But then I had lots of drinks after that. And um, I very much went through um, my, I guess, late teens and early 20s thinking what is it that is going to satisfy me and what is it that's going to make people like me? So I went through a phase of drinking a lot because I was like, if I drink a lot, people will like me because that's what everyone does when they go out. It's a lie, actually. People like me just now, like, and I am completely sober. You'll be glad to know. Um, yeah, I don't need alcohol to make me a, a fun person. I'm a fun person in my own right. Thank you. Um, And then I kind of went through this phase of, like, you know what? Like, what will really fulfill me? Because all my friends have got them, our boyfriends. So I I went through a number of relationships. And I got into one particularly damaging relationship, which um, I knew, I absolutely knew was wrong. But I didn't want to get out of it because I loved having sex. And um, I I knew that it was wrong. I knew that it wasn't what God had for me. I, I absolutely, God had very clearly spoken to me and was like, I think you're really hurting yourself. And at the time, I was like, no, I think I'm fine. I, th- I think I'm cool. Um, I guess the thing is, is that the longer that we look to other things to give us satisfaction, it means that the deeper the scars go when we come back to try and be healed. And I just want to say that to you, is that if you think, actually, you know what, yeah, I've got to work it out for myself. I've got to go and make the mistakes myself. I'll just say as a warning, is that, you know what, the further sometimes we go the deeper those scars are for healing. And God is a completely restorative God. He completely can heal you today of anything that you have gone through. He is a God who has defeated death. There is nothing that is impossible for him. But I come to you speaking as someone who has made a number of mistakes. And I come to you saying, you know what? Sometimes the scars, they're not worth it. I look back and I say, you know what, God? Like, I'm glad that you can use that as part of my my testimony, but it was a painful time and it's been a painful process of healing, of like learning and actually, I don't want you guys to go through that. I don't want you to have to go through that kind of pain. And I guess um, as I entered into my uh, late, I get, well, I get finished uni, I I kind of, was it getting to a point where I was like, right, I'm a real grown-up now. I need to, you know, start being a bit responsible. I am... Very much got into this whole thing of like the whole social media thing and really looking to other people. This lie that actually I wasn't good enough just by myself. I really got into like looking to other people to define who I was. And I don't know if you've ever done this where like you look around at the people around you and you're like, right, everyone looks like this or everyone else does this. I should do this to fit in. Has anyone ever done that? Right. Great, me, I've, I've done that. And um, I uh, I went through a phase of like, when I was at university, I had a number of, um, I guess, different friendship groups. I was a number of different um, sports clubs and societies. I love playing sports. So I was like part of the rugby team, the netball team, um, the basketball team, the cricket team. Um, I did a lot, all right? I had a heck of a load of university merchandise with all the different like sports clubs down the sleeves. And um, I tried to hold on to them for too long until a young person was like, you haven't been to university in like five years, so why are you still wearing it? It's like, oh, wow, burn, <laughs> burn. Um, but it's true, it's this idea that actually, if I just wear stuff, or if I just do this to fit in with you as a group, what does that say about who I am? That I am that easily swayed? Like Emma talked about yesterday, this idea about being a carrot, and like just being soft, blending into the culture around you. Why would you do that when you are amazing? That you have the impact, you have the opportunity to be coffee, to change your environment. See, the truth is, is that our value lies in the fact that God loves us massively. He loves us to a limitless extent. I cannot convey to you how much God loves you at all. I can't. There's not enough language. It doesn't matter what you've done. He declares he loves you and he wants you to know it. You see, that when we can get our heads around that, even just like a little bit, It helps us to love ourselves. Because the fact is, is that a lot of the time, the biggest barrier in coming back to God is us. Is that I feel shame. I actually really need these notes, so I'm going to just pick these up. Um, Right, let's try again. Yeah, the fact is, is that the thing that holds us back the most is our fear and our shame. And um, I, for ages, I hid so much of what was going on in my life. I am... I didn't want to talk to people about it because I didn't want people to judge me because I judged other people. And I didn't want, I didn't want to talk about it because I was like, I want people to think that I am this, like, amazing Christian. Because all the way through my life, since I've been 11, I've been a Christian, and yet all of this stuff was going on. I'd always kind of thought in my head when I was growing up that, oh, it's all the people who aren't Christians that do all this naughty stuff. And so the fact that I was doing it, I was like, I can't tell anyone. The fact is, is that Christians, we are not perfect, thankfully. Um, but God uses broken people to actually completely achieve his purposes. Like, there, there is a plan for your life that God will use you in whatever state you're in. And I, I, guess, I guess to just illustrate this a little bit more is that This idea of what do you fill your life with? And I I just want to invite my wonderful assistant, Janelle, up. If we can give her a round of applause. Okay. So, if you're in a place where you can see this paddling pool, that's going to be really helpful for you. If you can't, maybe just move slightly. So, this is the illustration. This is you, this bucket, this flamingo bucket. I chose it especially because it made me think of you guys. Um... This flamingo bucket is you. And your life, you choose to fill it in whatever way you want. Some of us choose to fill it with rubbish, absolute rubbish. You might choose to fill it with, like, yeah, sex, with masturbation, with pornography, with alcohol and drugs. Go for it for me. Thanks. And the fact is, as it goes in, it's like, it's great. It's like you think, oh, yes, this is really filling me up. I actually love Coke, all right? I love this. It really like on a hot summer's day sometimes coke is nice but it doesn't really refresh me and um, who knows what happens when keep going for me um, who knows what happens if you keep drinking coke what does it do to your teeth rots them yeah so if this is you if this is your life and you're filling it full of coke what's happening to your insides is rotting thanks that's great all right, so if you can't see, this is what's happening. My bucket's got some holes in. It's not satisfying me. I'm getting very empty. I'm getting very empty. Now, Jesus talks about this idea that he is living water, that he is water that satisfies, that he's water that does not run dry. I'm just going to try and get all this coke out. Um, he, he's a God who actually genuinely wants us to know him and to come to him when we're feeling empty. And... Um, When we do that, like, God is a God who says, not only am I going to, like, clean you, not only am I going to give you stuff that will satisfy you, but he says, I'm going to actually start to heal some of these holes. Some of these holes that are so big, they're going to stop being so big. Right now, I can't stop any of them from being so big, because all my hands are full. My toe. There you go. But, um... Like the fact is, is that all of these holes, he's like, I want to fix them. Your scars that are in there, I I want them to be healed. I don't want you to be running dry anymore. But the fact is, is that when we've been filling ourselves so much with, with rubbish, there are scars there. There are holes there that we need to actually bring to God and say, I want you to fix this hole. And it's a work. It is a, a journey with that. I am i always used to think oh i just want to come to god i just want to come to him and for him to fix everything um, and for it to be a really easy process but you know what god is so much more good than that he takes us on a journey of helping us to recognize where we need him more um i'm, I'm just gonna leave this here for a second <laughs> great um, i i really um felt like as i was as i was preparing this talk that some of you are here you're just like you know what yeah I'm dealing with some kind of addiction issue or maybe you know someone who's dealing with an addiction issue and I just want it to be done boom and the fact is we serve a God who is so good that he can absolutely do that and my friend Moya, and um, she's a girl who I've been mentoring in London and um, the day that she became a Christian God completely healed her of an extreme drug habit she was a coke um addict and also on like loads of mdma she was taking so many drugs i don't know how she was alive um but on the day that she got saved god healed her completely on that day of that drug habit and so she has not taken drugs since then amazing but then yeah it is amazing (laughs) But then I also have a friend um, called James who has been addicted to pornography and it's very much more been a journey of him really having to be honest with people and saying, you need to hold me accountable. And this this isn't like an easy thing. It's a journey of putting things in place. Um, God says um, in Psalm... 145 he says you, you open your hand and you satisfy the desires of everything that was actually David saying that to God you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing and then John talks about this idea that anyone who is thirsty can come to me anyone in, who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart and when he said living water he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him You see, when we come to Jesus and surrender, he says that he will cleanse us, he will clean us. The Bible says that he will bind up the brokenhearted, that he will heal us completely. You see, knowing God allows me to be fully me and allows me to be able to see the lies that the world will tell me, that I need other things to make me happy. It allows me to see them as lies. If you've been looking to someone else to make you happy, it's a lie. You need to look to Jesus. He genuinely will satisfy you because he allows you to know yourself enough that I can have confidence in who I am because God has created me. Confidence in myself in Christ. I know that for a lot of us as teenagers, it, it is really hard to have confidence in yourself. But the good news is that God has come to bring freedom. Freedom. One of my absolute favourite verses is Galatians five, verse one, which says, "It is for freedom that Christ has set us free." We can be free of listening to lies. The truth is, is that God loves us so much; His love is something that can transform us, so we can see the lies for what they are. And um, I guess my prayer for you today is that it would be similar for you: is that you could say, actually, from today, this is who I was, but you know what? Now, this is who I am. Um, I guess there's okay, three ways that I th- think it would be useful for us to move forward. and like, I guess the first thing is like, we're going to enter into a time of worship and um, have an opportunity where if you feel like actually anything that I've said to you around this idea of believing lies and just addiction to stuff that isn't God, if that is you, then please come and get some prayer. We'd love to pray with you. That's point one. Point two is like actually, um, once you've done that, I really recommend everyone does that. You might want to go away and pray with someone, with someone in your youth group, maybe someone in your youth leader team. But the second thing yeah. is make some changes to actually resist getting stuck back into that when you leave here. Because it's all well and good when you're at New Day to make really good choices But as soon as you go back home, it can be a lot harder. And I want to say, like, commit today to making changes to your life so that you don't get sucked into the same patterns when you go home. And point number three is, like, find someone who you really trust, who will hold you accountable. Generally, someone who's not struggling with the same thing, someone who is going to be willing to ask you hard questions and who you're not going to lie to. Someone who actually, if they ask you, are you struggling with this, you're going to be, like, able to say... Yes or no? Um, and I guess I say that because, as I said, God has got the ability to heal us today and to take away temptation, um, but also he loves to journey with us. And um, I don't want people to, to leave here and feel like, yes, God's done a massive work, and then as soon as you get home to feel like, well, maybe that wasn't God because you're finding it hard. Let's put stuff in place today so that actually you know that God is with you in these next steps. I'm going to hand over to David. He's going to lead us in some worship as we begin to respond to that.